Welcome back to episode eight of the Future Self podcast. Eight fucking episodes. Season one is almost coming to a close. It's almost time to launch season two, to be launching the new t-shirt drop that aligns with the new season. What a fucking blast. It's absolutely been so much fun, so enjoyable. I look forward to doing this every Friday. I've been counting down the minutes today to race home, set up the studio, go over the topic of today's episode and just dive into it. Now, today's podcast that I'm doing, today's episode is a little bit of a Q&A, get to know me, my thoughts, my opinions, the future self mindset. I put up a Q&A on my Instagram, my socials, which I'll link below earlier this week, asking some questions that you guys wanted to have answered or have me think about and chat about with you guys. And just, I opened up literally the ability to have anything asked, everything asked. I didn't really say anything's off the cards. There are some goofy ones. There are some serious ones. There are some interesting ones. Not every question's going to be answered today, but there are a definite handful that were quite commonly asked amongst a lot of people. The response for this Q&A was actually... I wouldn't say overwhelming, but it could have either been minimal replies or it could have been quite a few and it was definitely fucking quite a few. So this episode's more of a kick your feet up, relax, just tune in, have a listen and let's fucking get into it. So I will be on my phone for anyone that's tuning in on YouTube. I will be on my phone on this episode because that's, like I said, I ask the questions on Instagram. So I'll need a record for that. And the first question was a fucking big one. I was asked the question, what is your why? I answered this a little bit in episode one, but we're fucking eight episodes deep now. I'm sure I've picked up quite a few new listeners. The Future Self podcast is actually growing amazingly. What is your why or what is my why to rephrase it is a fucking tricky question to answer because my why has so many pathways. My genuine number one why for what I do, whether it's personal or within coaching is the want dreams and desires for a human being to have control over their life. Whether that's how they treat themselves, whether that's how they let people treat them, whether it's their body composition, their lifestyle, their routine, their financials, their living situation. I'm definitely not saying I'm here and I help someone achieve all of that. But my biggest why is to see someone thrive in those areas, to see someone truly live a life that they would have zero fucking regret if they were laying on their hospital bed or 
if they were told it's their last week. I want to see a human being living a life that they are fucking proud of, in awe of, they love. They're living it to their fullest and best potential. I hate seeing a life wasted. I hate seeing people not be who they truly are. I hate individuals being limited by the thoughts and opinions of other people, by anxiety, by stress, by depression. So my biggest why is to see human beings gain control. My biggest why, I'll essentially ask my own question, but the biggest why I work so hard for myself, for my business and for my people is because I want to look after the future me. I've lived a life having experienced depression, anxiety, sadness, regret, humiliation, the stress and worries of what other people's thoughts and opinions are, doing things only for the approval of others. I've learned nowadays I want to look after the future me. I've experienced so many things where I want him to be secure, to be set up, to be looked after, And that comes with busting your ass now. I see and hear so many people ask me all the time, oh, why don't you chill and slow down a little bit? Or why don't you just go on holidays? Or, you know, why don't you just let loose a little bit? And I can. They're choices. They're just not choices I want to fucking make. While everyone's chilling and cruising now, I want to be busting my ass so then in 10 to 15 years time when they're forced to be busting their ass just to live, man, I want to be fucking retired. I want to be traveling. I want to be changing lives. I want to be talking on stages to people. I don't want to be busting my ass later in life for the lack of effort and choices I put in now. Now, that doesn't mean just because I'm grinding my ass off and others aren't that I'm going to be successful and they won't be. Life is full of luck, chances, and things that just happen. But if at the end of my road or halfway through my journey of life, I know I've busted my ass and done my absolute best... There's nothing more I could demand from myself. There is nothing more I could have wanted the past me to have done. So my biggest why is gaining or seeing individuals gaining control. It's looking after my future self and my people. That stemmed from... Like I've explained in previous episodes, my father passing away, past relationships, past ways people have treated me, studying humans, studying relationships, bonds. I'm interested in psychology. I'm not going to sit here and claim that I study psychology or hold a knowledge of psychologists and things like that, but I'm interested in it. So I put a lot of time into it. I really like to question people and think deeper and not just the surface level. So the experiences of my past growing up as a teenager has essentially molded my why now. I have dreams of paying for my sister's house mortgages. I have dreams of buying 
my parents a car. I have dreams of being able to go and travel whenever I want, having houses, things like that. And I know that by busting my ass in my early years of my life when I have the most energy, I can do that and I fucking will. So to answer that question, that is my why. Now, the second question I was asked was what was the changing point that made you give up going out, drinking and focusing on the GL way? The GL way was always a focus from the minute I started it. There wasn't a specific time where I just was like, okay, now I'm going to focus on my business. There was an evolution of a young kid. I started this company when I was 16, 17. There's no way I'm going to expect a 16 and 17 year old to be hustling and grinding and perfect from day dot. I needed to go through the flexing my money and thinking I was killing it. I needed to go through the ups and downs. I needed to go through the partying. I needed to go through the lack of focus and the lack of care. I stopped going out because I simply just started fucking hating, feeling depressed, feeling anxious about the way I acted the night before, feeling stressed about people's opinions of me from how I was, regardless if I was tame that night or if I was a little bit more wild, I was just over feeling shit. Through my eyes, drinking is stealing happiness from tomorrow. You're elevated, you're feeling euphoric, it's vibes, you're having so much fun, things are more intense than what they normally are yet there's a 100% promise of tomorrow feeling shit. So you've taken tomorrow's happiness and brought it into tonight to enhance it. Some people like that. I fucking don't. I don't want to wake up depressed, stressed, worrying. I just hate that shit. I live a life now of showing up for me. This might sound silly, but if I'm tired as fuck on a Monday and my washing needs to be done, I'm doing it that night because I fucking know come a Friday afternoon, I'm going to be exhausted and even more tired. So I want to show up for him. If there are things I can do now, rather than pushing it back later, I want to do it now because I want to relax later in the week. I want to look after that version of me. So stopping going out just came with the realization that it's not doing anything for me. You can't be a high performing individual chasing goals if you're consistently going out. Going out every now and then, celebrations, birthdays, fuck it, whatever, that's fine. You can still work in with that, you know. Everyone says you need to let loose, which I don't necessarily agree with. I don't think letting loose is linked to drinking. You can let loose and go to the movies and, you know, have a good night with your friends. But I just got over the idea of staying static. There's only so far and so much you can do if every Saturday and Sunday you're hungover, you're depressed, you're tired, you're anxious. If you have body composition goals and you're downing empty calories and then eating shit food the next day, it doesn't align with that. If you have financial goals and you're spending one to $300 on a night out, it doesn't fucking align with that. The reason to tie in then with the and focus on the GOA, the bigger my company got, the more responsibility I held. I couldn't be waking up on a Sunday 
to a phone full of coaching text messages and just ignore them because I was hungover. My Sundays are so structured now. I have to be at work at 11 a.m. I am busting my ass nonstop from 11 till five. Like I cannot stop even for a conversation. It is so time scheduled and time delicate. I can't spend the first half of my morning hungover and dread going essentially to work. So the bigger the company got, the more responsibility I held, the more responsibility I held, the more I wanted to show up for my people and show up for myself. And that just came with accepting that if you hold high level responsibility, you can't always just be fucking around. I didn't want to forever be just a PT. I, in a non-pretentious way, don't view myself as a PT. I like to think that GLC falls under coaching. And the difference I differentiate with that is the level of care and the level of how all in someone is. I didn't want to be just a PT who rocked up, trained some sessions, didn't chat to my clients, and then went out, got fucked up, and then did the same thing the next week. I wanted to work with high-level individuals. I wanted to work with people wanting to change their life. I wanted to work with people who not necessarily demand more from me because I don't have demanding individuals I work with, but people who respect me, look up to me and you know, ask for advice. And I can't be giving advice about mental health if my mental health shit every Sunday because I'm getting fucked up. I can't give advice about showing up for you if I'm feeling shit and I'm not showing up for myself every Sunday. So it was a step into a new kind of living that took time. It wasn't instantaneous or overnight. It was a slow evolution, but an evolution I forever knew was coming. I really just want to be doing big things. You know, I want to be putting in those hours. I want to be high performing. I want to be fresh. I don't want to be Sunday, Monday, getting over a hangover or showing up to sessions, you know, depleted and making it everyone else's issue. Like I want to be grinding now. I want to be fucking working. I want to be showing up. I want to be helping people. I want to be seeing big things for myself and for other individuals. Drinking in my eyes is capping yourself in a small fucking pond. Now, some people won't agree with this because they'll be like, yo, chill. It's drinking. That's not what it is. Drinking is a link with anxiety, with stress, with spending money, with going out, with lacking sleep, with vulnerability to sickness. There's so much that comes with it. So every now and then, you know, celebrations, fuck yeah, that's fine. I want to go to those events. And, you know, I've kind of vouched recently for myself to be completely sober. I'd have a cocktail once a fortnight to once a month just with dinner, just to appreciate, you know, the taste of it. But I'm just fucking over it. Like there's no point. I don't see a point to it anymore. And it's definitely a potty I could fucking talk about for ages. So the next question was, do you believe we live to work or work to live? Which is a fucking cool question. And I just think it's so situational. It's so dependent on who you are, your values, your wants, and your lifestyle setup. Someone who goes to uni, who can only have you know a relatively chill or low responsibility job because they're only working or are available to work a few hours a week, you know, they might be living 
to work because, you know, they need to work, they need to study. Someone who's put in the fucking hours, they've got companies set up, they might be, you know, working to live. It's it's a it's a it's a hard question to answer directly because it's it's so individual. Like I definitely think I live to work, but I also work to live because I show up every day, 12 to 15 hours a day, busting my ass to work. But by doing that, I'm living my best life because I fucking love it. Someone who hates their job is definitely living just to work. Someone who hates their life because they hate their job, they're definitely living just to work. People who work small amounts and appreciate the small things might be working to live. People who love their job might be working to live. So it is individual. It's not something that's forever. It's not just a single straightforward question to answer. But you can change that at any point in time. If you feel like your life is just work and you're only working, fucking change it. If you're not doing a job you truly love, fucking change it. People always get stressed about, oh, if I change it, then there's risk. Or if I change it, there's less money. Or if I change it, you know, I'll lose this and this. It's like, yo, if your mental health is so bad, how the fuck are you valuing your mental health and these precious days on this earth just because of a job that pays? Like you can do so many different things that pay better than what you're doing. You could do a job that pays less, but you enjoy it so much more. The detriment of work being the root cause of the negativity in your life is upsetting because it is a changeable thing. So for instance, like my father was a pilot. That's why for anyone watching on YouTube, I got that tattoo on my arm, which is a pilot hat. And the job was so high stress and there was such a high demand and there was always this push to be perfect and killing it and having perfectionism and, you know, everything always running 100% smooth. And it's like, he was making good money, living a good life. And it's like, yo, I'd rather you fucking work at another place, earn half the amount and be loving life. Like it's such a individual based thing but i just hope that people don't ever feel stuck in the job they do because you can change that shit whenever you want like i dare say i have a thriving company now three years ago i was fucking concreting four years ago i was just pt coaching at another place on a low level you know like things can always change and nothing has to stay the same you're not locked into anything unless you lock yourself in it unless you Lock your own self in it yourself. The next question I was asked was, how do you think others perceive you? Which is an interesting question because I don't think I'm perceived in the way that I know myself to be. A lot of people mainly younger females before they do a consult with me or before they get to know me on a one-to-one level used to say, I thought you were so fucking scary, so arrogant, so cocky on Instagram and you just thought you were the shit but you're so kind, you're so emotionally in tune, you're so caring. You know, it, it is a big clash. Social media is a hard one because you can't present someone or you can't present yourself being caring and loving the way you might want to. 
And if I then post one of my achievements, someone might take that as me being cocky. So people are going to perceive you through the level of emotional intelligence they have and their understanding of a human being. That's why you're not perceived the exact same across the board. Everyone has their own view of you. You play a character different in every single person's life. So everyone molds you in their mind in a different way. But yeah, I always had that battle of people see me to be this. And I was like, fuck, like that's just not who I am. I can confirm that's who I used to be. No fucking doubt. But this is years ago. I always have a clash where because I I feel like I am softer and emotionally in tune and I work with females well because I grew up with three females, my mother and two sisters for most of my life. I, I understand girls. So when I communicate, I can be softer and I always used to run into the clash of when I used to do like the PT style of coaching, my client partner's been uncomfortable with that because I was softer and I wouldn't communicate in just the yeah, dude, or see you soon, legend. Just, you know, it was a lot more caring, like, hey, sweet, how are you? Or, you know, calling people wonderful and just those types of things. But yeah, it's it's always been something I've always been aware of because there's there's always been that that complete difference. I think another thing at the moment is some people can view me or I feel like some people view me to be standoffish, um, a little bit, unless you know me, I won't talk to you. It's a hard way to describe it. And that's a hard one because I just, the more set and solid I became on my boundaries and the less control people had over me or the less access people had to me, it started pissing people off. And then people started projecting it onto me as if it was my issue. Like, oh, you're not the same cool person you used to be or you're not so open or you're not so chill and it's like no I just don't do what you fucking tell me to do I'm just not available like you want me to be available 24-7 I'm very caring and kind to a lot of people but I also won't fake things and I won't take shit from people I don't like pretending, you know, if I know someone mistreats me or just doesn't like me for no reason, I'm not going to go above and beyond to seem super nice and over the top. I'm not going to be disrespectful, definitely not going to be rude. I don't want to put the energy in either way, but I'm just not going to pretend and, you know, act fake. Like if someone doesn't like me, that's fine. I got no issue with that. I'm just not going to pretend and and act like I don't know it and I feel like some people don't always like that because I know they're not rooting for me but they expect me to be accessible to them or just open and I'm not like that anymore you know I work 70 hour plus weeks I have my people I have limited energy I got people to look after and care for whilst looking after and caring for myself so I can't just exert energy into people who I know don't respect it or appreciate it. The next question is, what's one thing you're holding on to that's holding you back? A bit of a self-development based question. And I read this one last night and I was having to think about it and I was like, 
fuck, I couldn't really answer it. I did a lot of self-development work last year. I had raging perfectionism. There was depressive parts of how I was feeling the year before. I was high stress, highly anxious. I was always thinking I, I did something wrong. Anytime I got a phone call, my heart would sink and drop. And I was like, fuck, what did I do? Or what have I done wrong? And it's, I did so, so, so much work because I hated living like that. And I don't live like that now because if you only have good intentions and are doing good things, you don't need to have those stresses and worries. I feel like the biggest thing I'm holding on to that's holding me back is my vision not being understood and people's projection onto me. It's really hard when you have something deeply rooted inside of you, knowing what you want to do and where you want to go because people just won't always get that. They won't, they won't understand it or they, they won't align with it or they won't agree with it. And that's really hard because some people you respect and you want to keep in your life are the ones that really project that onto you like, oh, you know, I don't get it or why or what's the point? And that's hard because you want them to align with you, but you can't want something for someone who doesn't want it themselves. If people aren't willing to understand, you can't convince them of that otherwise. But yeah, people's projections is really hard because people want you to act a certain way and people want you to align with them in their life. And I'm just not doing that nowadays. I'm not going to be quiet because people are scared of the noise. I'm not going to be chill because people are scared of the heat. I'm not going to be small scale because people don't want big scale themselves. I'm not going to hold myself back because people don't want the same things as me. But that's fucking hard. That's fucking hard because if you do it too rapid or too directly, it's a lonely journey. You need to, or you don't need to. I'm I'm not going to give advice on that. Personally, I'll talk for myself. I want to be doing it in a way where I can bring people with me and they slowly get the vision and they slowly understand it and they slowly realize, fuck, like he's on his own pathway and I want to be on mine, but I kind of want to link those pathways up. You can be on two separate pathways, but have those fuckers moving parallel. They don't have to be completely different pathways and completely different directions and journeys. But I would say I'm holding on to that because I don't want to have a lonely journey to the top. Um, and this comes from close people, distant people, random strangers. You, you can't be too unrelatable because too unrelatable just can be seen as just too distant from reality or how things will be. Hopefully that made sense. I definitely tried to pitch it in the way, but I'd say the biggest thing nowadays is just people I'm hold, like holding on to people and no one specific or any dynamic specifically, but just not wanting to propel too quickly because I don't want it to be a lonely lack of respect, lack of care, understanding put towards a journey. You know, I want to bring people with me. It's not, it's not something I want to do solo. Like I want to have my people and people I work with one-to-one and people I know elevating with me as well. I was asked this question, how do you stop the negative thoughts from taking control? 
which is a deep question to be honest. And it's not something I'm going to say the way I think and feel is the way it has to be. One thing with coaching and giving advice is I love helping, but I also understand that I only ever talk from a personal standpoint. I'm not a psychologist and I'm not someone that you have to abide by or you have to, yeah, he's the only one and the only way I want to follow. Negative thoughts are unavoidable. They're part of life. Every up has its down. Every down has its up. Every season has its fucking storms. It's all perspective and it's all mindset because some individuals might see a down as a, I'm fucked. This is it. It's not going to get better. I've learned to see a down as, okay, why is this happening? Question it, understand it, but then trust that an up's coming. You know, you need the downs to appreciate the ups. They work hand in hand. They work in balance. I have a different mindset with negative thoughts when specific things happen and it can be seen a bit goofy or a bit wacky, but I've always viewed everything happens for a reason. I literally have it tattooed on my wrist. I always trust in that. It's always been something I I haven't just thought of or convinced myself. Like I truly align with it. I'm someone where if I walk out to my car and there's a flat tire, it's like, okay, well that sucks, but fuck man, I could have crashed on the way to work and that stopped that. I'm someone where, you know, back in the day when I used to stress about clients stopping, I've now learned to be like, yeah, well, look, like we've done our chapter together. I now get to help more new individuals. It's about perspective. Altering your perspective through a way of understanding is so key because I'm sure the individual who asked this question has had a million negative thoughts and experiences, yet you're still fucking here. You're still here. So everything that's felt enclosing and trapping and too much, you've you've made it past. Like you've gotten through it. You've mustered up the strength to get to the other side. It doesn't mean shit's simple, easy, cruisy, amazing, but you're still here and you've still done it. You have to then link, fuck, like, How do you control the negative thoughts? It's like, well, just trust in things getting better. You have to trust in things getting better because if you don't, then you're fucked. The minute you lose hope, you lose the want to view positive opportunities and then that then has you losing the ability to see the positive. There's positive in every situation. It's a hard statement to say. It pisses people off, I know, and it's not agreed with from every individual but it is true every situation has a positive the positive could be one percent and 90 percent shit could be 50 percent good and 50 percent shit it just matters what one you want to see my father passing away from suicide it's a pretty shitty situation, but there's so much positive that's come from it. This podcast, the people in my life, the direction, the fucking hundreds of people I've helped. So I've learned from situations that they can suck. That's valid. It's understandable. The way you think and feel at that time, 100% the right way to feel, but good things can come from anything and good things always 
come back around. It's just trusting in that. But perspective is massive and no one can have you change your perspective other than you. Perspective can be an exposure to experience or it can literally be a choice. Both of them take work. Both of them are hard as fuck, but both of them can still happen. The next question I was asked, what's the end goal with GLC? GLC is GL Coaching. It's my company. I haven't really thought of an end goal, but I have big things I want for it. I'm currently working towards, in a few years time, taking GLC solely online, having a full online platform, traveling the world for six months, 12 months, 18 months, two years, spending two or three days a week working one-to-one with the individuals who are signed up or working with me having a fucking huge subscription platform with heaps of individuals on it and then be thriving on social media. I would love to spend four days of the week traveling and three days busting my absolute ass. The end goal for GLC, I think, is to impact as many people as I honestly possibly can on a small level, surface level, deep level, life-changing level. I want to have a huge podcast. I want to have hundreds of thousands of subscribers. I want to have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of listeners. I want to have a clothing company with a reason behind it that's doing good things. I want to do things like TED Talks or stage talks, you know, mindset-based seminars. I have just, it's massive. Like the vision I have is so big and I swear to God, it's going to fucking happen. I feel like every person who dreams big needs to have a level of delusion through the eyes of the people looking at them. I know people listening would be like, damn bro, that's that's massive. But I don't see it to be impossible and I know it's going to fucking happen. And I have that trust because I'm going to bust my fucking ass for it. I'm going to do everything I can. Like I said, I have visions of employing my friends and having them living their thriving life working for me. I want to look after my family, my sisters, my partner. I just have a vision that I know is going to happen And it's coming from the backing of helping people and truly making an impact on this world. Small impact would be amazing, but I don't see it to be small. I want to change the lives of thousands of people. I want to see people thriving and living their best life. I want more people to realize that we have maximum 100 years on this motherfucker and we might not ever get to experience it again. And nothing is ever worth not making every single day count. So that's the fucking end goal for GLC. The next question I was asked was biggest hype moment in your training and the biggest down moment in your training. My training has changed massively over the years. I've gone from a diehard bodybuilder to a functional fitness trainer, CrossFit, to 
someone who's training for just health and care. I've trained for just aesthetics, strength. I've done so much. One of the biggest standouts was when I was 16. I came third in a up to 21 non-natural physique federation ifbb i was crowned the youngest australasian athlete at the time being 16 it was actually out of a lineup of five so a small lineup but not a lineup of three where i was just crowned third straight away that one was massive that really kick-started a lot of my enjoyment and interest in the gym and the pursuit of cert three and four another big one was with the owner of athletic culture and my mate Connor, we won a. I don't know what it's called. I think it's an assisted division, or it's, let's just say class two CrossFit comp together. We were just two absolute rookies. We did maybe four sessions together leading into the event. Um, and then it was a huge day. I think it was five workouts of just us busting, grinding leave it all there type work and we ended up coming first. So that was really fucking exciting. I have other things like, you know, 60 kilo bench. I remember with my mate Max back in the fucking young teenage years was a big goal because he put the two big blue bickies fucking either side. And that was really exciting. First 100 kilo bench, of course, was big. Uh, My 200 kilo back squat was massive. I remember that being a big achievement. So there's definite range. The biggest down I'd say is the injuries. They suck. Good things come from them. Um, I've only had good things come from them. I'm currently nursing a huge injury now. It's a tear in my hip. Um, And it stopped me from doing the things I love like the cardio functional training. I can't run. Um, I can't squat. You know, it's really taken... A lot of the things I love away from me. I'm not Debbie Downer about it. It's a bit shit, but you know, I'm rehabbing, I'm busting my ass. It's given me a focus on other things. It's made me more mindful of my nutrition, my recovery, my mobility and my body. It's changed my training to be more of a look after me style than a you know, just go ham style. Um there was a one time I semi paralyzed myself from back squatting when I was younger. I had the bar too high up on my neck. I neck drove where you face upwards, wrapped around the bar and then couldn't walk, couldn't get out of bed, couldn't move my arms or legs without pain. So that was really fucking scary. Um, Nothing bad ended up coming from that after a bit of recovery. Um, Yeah. I think falling out of love with training actually is a big one when you really have to rely on your discipline. It always sucks when training's not motivating or it's just a grind or your body feels achy and things feel shit and you're not excited about anything. You know, that's happened so many times over the years, but you know, it's just, it happens and you you just work around it. So I feel like they're all definitely in the category of probably the biggest downfalls in my training. The next question I was asked was, what's one thing that really upsets you with people? Which is a fucking open-ended question. I feel like one that might have a bit of an answer. 
So uh, these are the potty shoes because they are butterflies all around. And then, of course, the Future Self t-shirt. But I feel like the biggest thing that really upsets me with people falls under two main focuses. The first one is taking advantage of individuals in a way that is through their insecurities, lack ofs, or I guess, yeah, reduced understanding of themselves and then just wasted potential. I remember in primary school, I was always viewed as a bit of a hard nut because I always hated seeing the cool kids in school throwing away their life because they fell under the category of the cool kid because they had this idea of character created around them that they had to live up to. The cool kids in school, in quotation marks, were some of them that I knew personally were smart people that they just lacked application they didn't apply themselves they didn't care they just wanted to be what everyone thought they would be which is hard because they're young and they're vulnerable so they don't have the consciousness to understand that that's not going to take them anywhere or be any good for them but like I always say you can't want for people what they don't want themselves and you know, you can't control everyone or get everyone to be killing it and thriving. Ultimately, people have the responsibility to do that themselves. So the lack of application is really hard. People who put themselves down, sell themselves short, belittle themselves, purposely scapegoat, confine themselves in an idea that allows the easy pathway, like I'm a late person, I'm not smart, I'm not capable, I'm not strong enough, I'm not cool enough, all that shit, which is hard because it's very fucking complex. They don't just, not everyone just thinks that because they are lazy or it's the easy route. Like it can be very, very complex, deeply rooted, past history based responding. Like I I understand that, but I don't like it when it's done in a scapegoat way just to take the easy route or the first option. I think that's quite upsetting. And like I said, the other one was the... Not exploiting, but essentially people for their their weaknesses and taking advantage of them. You know, people who aren't necessarily 100% secure in themselves. So people take advantage of that and have them 100% accessible then to themselves. You know, the people who don't necessarily care for someone, but act like they do because there's benefit in it. People who act like there are good intentions, but their intentions are always for self-gain. The hardest thing is, yeah, I, I see it often, common. It's, it's. I'm sure everyone does. I've, I've been the person before, so I've experienced it. Um, but yeah, that dynamic where you see someone 
taking advantage of someone's lack of and like i said lack of confidence or lack of self-trust or lack of uh, ability to stand up for themselves you know they're easily stood over they're easily walked over they're easily accessed that's hard because the individual that's having that done to them with the right care the right guidance friendship mentoring could really become the amazing person that they are and not be so walked over but everyone's journey and pathway through my eyes is mapped out and laid out and maybe that's just the experience they need to go through to then learn it and become the person that they're meant to be maybe being treated that way is the best thing that'll ever happen to them because they will then gain so much positive from that so yeah definitely those two categories So the next question I was asked was, why the butterfly? The butterfly, the butterfly, the butterfly, the butterfly. For anyone who's listening on Spotify, I pointed to my shoes, my tattoo, the print on my shirt and the print on the wall that the Future Self podcast is represented by. The butterfly stems from two things. The first reason why the butterfly, it is a symbolism of my life, my journey, my experiences and the journeys I see people go through. You need to go through the shit of the shit or I definitely went through the shit of the shit. When you're a little fucking caterpillar, battling life, going through things, navigating, just trying to survive, just trying to do the bare minimum, get through. You have to, or I definitely have been through that experience. And the more intense that experience is, I've learned the more beautiful the butterfly ends up being, either through appreciation, either through an understanding, education, a change, a realization, But the shit of the shit then allows for the beauty to be created, grown, developed, stepped into. So I really like the the cycle of a journey where it's challenge allows for beauty or discomfort allows for growth or hardship allows for leveling up. That's why I follow kind of the butterfly in everything I do and it's always been the model of a lot of things I do. I also think it's a a beautiful thing where the life cycle of a butterfly is relatively small. So you go through this intense hardship to become an animal that doesn't live too long. So you go through all this shit you then grow and have the the reward of the hard work put in, but then the cycle starts again because you don't just overcome one challenge and everything's fucking amazing from there. There's going to be so many more challenges and things to face and overcome. And it's a bit of just a, a progressive trending upwards. I don't want to say cycle because cycle is repetition sometimes without difference it's almost like a progressive cycle so you know they go through so much to then become something so beautiful 
but beauty doesn't last forever you know they're only around i think for a month maybe a few weeks and then the the life cycle happens again the second one was actually because of this tattoo which i got these tattoos on this side of my body for anyone who's on youtube so for anyone who's on spotify listening if you head to youtube you can see this side of my body is for my mother. This side of my body is for my father. So the tattoos on each side of my body represents uh, a part of each parent. That's why I got the band. It's a band per parent. And I got this tattoo, which is a butterfly, a dagger, and a skull fairly early on into getting tattoos. And I got the tattoo because it represented something that can be so ugly, can also be so beautiful. So a dagger can be ugly, butterfly can be so beautiful but also something that can be used so bad in or something so bad can also be used for something so good so it was a bit of the the not yin and yang but that 50 50 dynamic where you know the good and bad the dangerous the beauty that kind of thing so then when i designed it that was the story behind it and then the butterfly I kind of detached from the dagger and then it became more of the story on its own. So that's the story of the butterfly. It's something I fucking love, use all the time. If you chat to me one-on-one, friends, family, mostly coaching, you'll get a fucking butterfly emoji in probably every message I send you. So the next question I was asked was why did you start the podcast? I started the potty with an intro, episode one, which you can go and check out if you want to. The most basic, (laughs) lacking setup, but it was the step into action. And the step into action is important because you need to start somewhere. I started the potty because it is a way for me to reach more people than what the 24 hours in a day would let me, but also connect with people who might not know who I am. I might not know who they are and might not have been able to access some of the things I think about and speak about unless there was a shareable way to communicate that you know i have tiktok and instagram and social medias where i share mindsets and and videos and whatnot but a lot of the hype and love i get on this podcast is from strangers it is from a friend of a friend it is from a client's parent or a client's friend it is from someone who's never met me before i've had messages from honestly people international saying they just stumbled on Instagram, searched my stuff and found it. They love the mindsets and the ideas behind it. So it's the ability to reach more people in a way that doesn't limit me to the hours in the day, but also it allows me to be 100% expressive in my own thoughts, opinions and views because it's my podcast. It's not psychology one-on-one. 101 where people are coming here to think of the right ways to be doing things it is a collection from my experiences thoughts views growths and lessons and then me sharing that with you guys and the people who are tuning in are people who are either interested they respect my thoughts and views or they're a new listener that 
potentially like what I chat about, which is fucking amazing. Now, there are a few more questions, personal things um, about coaching and whatnot, but I want to keep this episode a shorter one. I like doing, you know, the guest. I like doing a longer, more serious episode. I like doing this type of episode. And this is kind of the first episode like this that I've done. And I wouldn't mind doing a Q&A or a bit more chill, a bit more convo. Uh, still talk about big topics, but a little less formal more often. But that's me wrapping up episode eight, almost a close for season one. There's going to be 10 episodes per season. If you tuned in on YouTube, I fucking love you. If you're listening on Spotify, you are the fucking best. If you did a cross transfer when I talked about the butterflies or the tattoos, you are even more of the best. But either way, whether you like, subscribe, share, repost on Instagram, shoot me a message, hype it up, whatever you do, I appreciate you and I'm so grateful for you. I'm excited as fuck for next Friday already, episode nine to come. Cannot wait for the next drop of the tease. The first tease did fucking amazingly and it was a really enjoyable process. A lot of learning, a lot of fine tuning to come. But thank you for listening Thank you for giving me the inspiration to continue and the want to continue and the want to show up and the want to bust my ass. Thank you for the sharing, which makes it so exciting and engaging for me and motivating to do more. I am so excited for the future. I hope you keep doing things for the future you. I hope you question what you're doing a little bit more, that you show up for yourself a little bit more that you maximize your life a little bit more and realize there's more to it than maybe the basic things you were doing. But I'll see you guys in the next one.